0: Hello, I'm Haya, and thank you for welcoming us into your ears. You've tuned in to Human Awareness, a podcast about what it means to be human and the various ways that that shows up for people. And hi, I'm Kate, and I'm so glad to have you here with us. Haya and I are representing the Human Awareness Institute, or HI for short, as we explore important themes related to love, intimacy, and sexuality. Obviously, our podcast can't replace our workshops, But we hope that in these interviews, you're able to catch a glimpse of who we are and what we do. Shall we get started with the interview? Yes. Come settle in with me and I'll hit play. Okay, welcome back to another episode of um, our wonderful podcast. I'm joined today um, by Laurie. And Laurie, I'd love for you to tell me um, what your name is and what pronouns you use.
1: My name is Laurie Handlers, and I use she, her. Wonderful. And uh, where are you calling in from today? Phoenix,
0: Arizona. Lovely. So um, we invited you to come and talk to a, um, a topic that is pretty close to my heart, uh, but that, you know, we're three, three seasons into this podcast and we haven't actually gotten around to talking about yet, and that is um, sex and aging. I'm really eager to um to learn more from you about um uh how this has come up in your life and uh why do you think people aren't talking about this?
1: I don't know. I think they're not talking about it because they don't they're not aged yet. I don't really know. Um I just think that I think that I have a good handle on it one because of my age but also because I'm very into super longevity. Mm. So I'm a person that experiments with my own body because it's my body because I own it. And so I give myself things that not are not on the beaten path. I have chosen a route of self-medication, we'll call it supplementation, studying longevity or what they call radical life extension. And to me, when I first heard about radical life extension and I got over the stigma of what do they mean by physical immortality? How could that be? What are they, vampires? I mean, when I <laughs> when I first started hearing about it, it took something to get it into me and under my belt. But now that I've been at it for, I don't know, 13 years or so, I see it going hand in hand with sacred sexuality. And I, it like hit me between the eyes. And for most people they're, you know, they're like, most people in the field of sacred sexuality are into reincarnation and having the big bang with God or something, and I'm, I'm like, if you want the big bang, have it now. Big bang, huh? I see what you did there. <laughs> yeah, but I think
0: there's something really interesting about uh, longevity in general. You know, um, there's one thing that is, uh, you know, uh, qu- uh, quantity, like stretch to as many years as you possibly can. But from the way you're talking about this, I sense that you're talking about something else. You're talking about um, not just the number of years, but also the quality of those years
1: exactly. I am not here's the thing most people when they get over fifty they get they start preparing to die. Mm-hmm. They say, Well, half my life is over, and now I should move towards retirement, and then when I retire, I should relax because soon it's all gonna be over, and they start planning to die and in my life. I'm planning to live. Right. And I'm over 50. I'm well, I didn't even discover tantra until I was 46. So, you know, the actual tantra, what it, the study of tantra. I always knew there was something more to sex and sexuality. It's like I knew it intuitively, but I didn't know who to speak to about it. I didn't know where to get any, any information about it. And then I found it, but I didn't find it until you know, I was 46. We barely had the internet. And yeah. And um, now I'm like, well, okay, I'm planning to live. I'm planning to live like the best Like My life has become so good because of all of this. Why would I want to leave now? So I don't want to leave. I don't want to leave, you know. No, but that's a wonderful
0: place to be, right? If you if you're enjoying something, then you want to stay. It's like when you're sitting in a cafe with friends and you're having a great time. You know, the first person to go, you know what? I'm done with this. Like, well, that's really sad because we're having such a good time here. Uh-huh. Exactly. And this is kind of the life version extension of that. I'd love to hear the the story if you're willing to share about how you did discover tantra and how that did become a bigger and more important
1: part of your life. Sure. I um, well, I so as I said, like when I was a kid you know when i was first having sexual expressions with other people i felt like there was something more to life in it like i felt like it was a deeper conversation i didn't think it was just frictional intercourse i felt like there was some soul connection that was happening between me and the someone at the time that i was that i was sexually experimenting with and i when i talked about that people who were my partners or potential partners thought I was just plain weird. They just, they were like, you know,
0: yeah. <laughs> so were there more, were they more focused on the mechanics of sex or what, yeah. what was the thing that they were confused by?
1: No, they were more focused on the mechanics and they were focused on so basically you know, chasing
0: orgasms together kind of thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like that. And I said to myself, this can be all there is, mm. but I didn't, hear anything else about that until I was probably 36. Around that time, in my 30s, I, I subscribed to Yoga Journal. And in the magazine, when it came delivered to my door, there was an article about Margot Anand, the famous Tantra teacher. And I read that article. Well, I used to read Yoga Journal from cover to cover. And I read that article and said, this is it. I found it. You know, But then there was no they didn't give any address there was no phone number and so what was i to do like there was you know write to the editor i just didn't bother i just put it away i still have the magazine by the way so i that that must have been in 1986 so then i waited and then i I worked at landmark education, which you may have heard of. Yep. So I worked at landmark education and it was a great job. I was totally involved in transformation and I was in the process of get, you know, I had a computer. I think the internet was coming out then. And what happened when I left landmark, I left landmark with, uh, you know, a big reputation Of being one of the top or the top enrollment manager in the world, but my body was breaking down. I mean, I was just the pressure of like breaking all the records and doing what I did. And so as I was leaving, one of my friends said, there's a Tantra class coming to Silver Spring, Maryland. I lived in Washington, D.C., and she said i think you should take it you're kind of a mess <laughs> and i said <laughs> that's what good friends are for right yeah i said okay i'm going to do that and i took the class it was like yippee 10 years later i found it it was like finding pay dirt you know yeah and
0: isn't that then- wonderful how or a little sad maybe but there is something interesting how you know you kind of made a bookmark for yourself there like hey this is a thing i should explore and then a decade passed before you really had a chance to, uh,
1: to dig in. Exactly. It was, it, well, it was, it's sad because listen, I say to people, if I knew about Tondra when I was 21, my life would have gone in a completely different direction, but it Mm. didn't, you know, so I went through my trials and tribulations of relationships of not relationships, but just one night stands or sexuality. Um, i went through uh, the things that females she hers go through in the 20s of not feeling secure not feeling good about myself not you know i i, I feel like in some ways i always felt good about myself but lots of self doubt i think that i had lots of people sleeping partners you know people that i had sex with so that I could find who I was possibly in their eyes. Hmm. And that was the wrong place to look. I mean, but I could say that now.
0: <laughs> yeah, totally.
1: But I didn't know that then, you know, that's what I was very precocious. And I had a very strong sex drive and, and, and what I might call now knowing what I know now as a very experienced, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, people would call me a world renowned sex educator, facilitator. What I know now is that I probably was hypersexual. Mm -hmm. I was probably one of those young ladies that come to some of my classes and don't know how to express their power, except in a sexual way. I, I probably could say that about myself, but you couldn't have gotten me to say that about myself when I was 35.
0: It feels like a pretty big thing to even admit to yourself, never mind out loud to others.
1: Yeah, but I could admit it because I don't care what anybody thinks. I'm 73. I don't I really don't care at all what anybody thinks, you know. I I dare anybody to, you know, to like try and rock my apple cart. I I just I'm over it, you know. I'm
0: hearing the joy in your voice in just saying, "You know what?" I am what I am. Deal with it. That is a wonderful gift to have to have given yourself.
1: Yeah, I, that's how I feel. I just feel so. I feel not not a lot rocks me anymore, and I totally attribute it to the practice of sacred sexuality and the practices that come with that. I totally attribute it to that. And now I'm, you know, just so you know, I mean, I, I, you didn't ask, but I'll say. You know, I have a best-selling book on Amazon called Sex and Happiness, The Tantric Laws of Intimacy. And I wrote that book almost 20 years ago. Like I began writing it almost 20 years ago. And it's a, it was a book about what I learned from studying and teaching Tantra. And what I learned was that nobody back then was talking about things like Speak Your Truth, honor your anger, Um, have full contact confrontations if you need to, Um, be your own witness. These things were touched upon, but I didn't see anybody living it. I, I met a bunch of tantrikas who knew how to eye gaze and cause high bliss states, you know, and through sacred spot, be able to find places where wounding was or create huge DMT releases and bliss states. But no one was like really telling the truth or setting boundaries, you know? And mm-hmm. I know I'm on a high podcast, so I know that high as an organization has lots of boundaries, you know, yep. like lots of guidelines and rules that people have to follow to be part of high. So I I just say, When I first started, no one was practicing emotional release. Nobody Mm -hmm. was, um, you know, just, or I didn't know where they, maybe not nobody, but I didn't know who was speaking about this stuff, like really speaking about this stuff. So I started, these things started dropping out of my mouth. Like there should be some laws. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> so they so they dropped out of my mouth, and um, and then five dropped out. And then, as I was writing, another five dropped out. So I got these ten laws. And now, you know, when I reached sixty and I was then over sixty, I started having a blast. Like I started having more fun, worrying less about all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I had these guidelines to live by. And now I'm writing a, this, the next book, which is called Sex and Happiness Over 60. It only gets better. Nice. And I have seven more laws, although one of them is the same. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Fair enough. And, oh, now, now, now I have to ask what is, the, what is the thing that has stayed as a constant?
1: Boundaries. Yes. When I was writing the first book, that was my weakest chapter. Like, I was so bad at my own boundaries. And now I'm so clear on my boundaries. And it's like, for me, in my way of thinking, boundaries are necessary to create intimacy. If I don't have boundaries and you don't have boundaries, then I don't know how you'll ever trust me or how I'll ever trust you.
0: Yeah definitely. There's a really interesting parallel here, which is you're talking about life extension. Um, it's kind of, this kind of, I'm kind of imagining this this kind of triangle of, of life extension and tantra and sexuality. And I mean, all three have something to do with life giving, right? Both literally and figuratively. <laughs> sexuality yeah. is about life givingness. And the same thing with like a really strong tantric connection. I, I've never felt more alive than when you have this extreme, like deep connection with someone. And so I feel like that's kind of the theme that runs through this in a way for you. Um, it's that, it's that feeling of life and feeling of being alive. Is, is that right? Or am I just making stuff? No, up?
1: <laughs> you, you're so right on. And let's, let's go even further to say, okay, here's the two things. Like you just made a triangle, which is great. And so here's the two things about it. One, The energies of creation is how we got here. Yep. And so someone had to have sex in order for you to be on this call with me. Someone else had to have sex. Two other people had to have sex. Your parents and my parents. The chances of us being, of those um, eggs getting getting, uh, fertilized by the sperm is 40 quadrillion to one. Yep. So that makes you a miracle and me a miracle. A miracle. Those odds are like terrible odds. So that makes us a miracle. So now if I harness my sexual energy or what's better known as the vital life force or the energies of creation, if I harness that energy and I use it to fuel my intentions, which we call in the vernacular sex magic. Mm hmm. Why would I only use it to make more money or publish a book or make a film or the things I've used it for? Why wouldn't I use it to extend my life?
0: And I'm hearing in that statement an invitation almost to say, hey, you know, I'm a miracle, you are a miracle. What are we going to do to respect and and encourage those miracles to continue to actually find purpose
1: in a way? Exactly. Exactly. So one... I can harness my energy of creation. Every time I have an orgasm, I can say I'm a forever body. I'm staying here. I'm in such great health. I'm so vibrant. I'm so alive, which I am. That's one. Two, I can say that with a partner. So now we're both vibrant and alive and healthy and staying here because why would we leave if we're having such a good time? And then what else am i willing to do what else am i willing to invest in to put my money in to put my money where my mouth is and say well what else am i willing to do to further enhance my health and extend my life if i'm having a great time i don't want to go anywhere i don't want to take the chance that there is no reincarnation Mm -hmm. you believe in a life before death as people famously say I, I just, I be, yeah, I believe in that life and that life only. <laughs> yeah, I don't know where we go afterwards and I, you know, I'll be happily surprised if that time comes, but I'm not putting my bank on that, you know, like that's not where I'm putting Bitcoin or anything, you know, I don't want to... Well, go- the beautiful thing is, you know, you have this life
0: and, you know, it feels kind of silly to you know, pine away for what might happen next when you can try and enjoy the most with exactly. with you
1: have now. Exactly. Yeah. So my prayer has become, as a magician, giving my energy and my intention over to staying great and just expanding on what I have. And I take lots of amazing supplements and I take some that are experimental, as I said to you earlier. I consider that my body is mine, so I can experiment with it with whatever I want. And so there's many things that I take that most of the population doesn't even know about. And, um, and I, you know, and I combine the, that miracle practice of using my sexual energy, which is what created me in the first place, to create yes. more life.
0: So presumably somebody who dials into this uh, particular podcast has seen the headline of um, Sex and Aging and is curious about that as a topic. Um, where do you start? Like what What if you are um, waking up one morning and you're thinking, you know what, um, maybe you found yourself in that pattern of thinking, well, I'm really just lounging about <laughs> waiting for death. But wh- how do you change gears? How do you, wh- where do you start that journey to kind of retake control of of your own sexuality and kind of spark that again
1: um there's a number of ways first you have to really talk to yourself because and you have to eliminate let you you have to go against the grain um you have to eliminate things like people saying this cheesecake is to die for or when you're doing your podcast break a leg right yeah Or, oh, I love them to death. No, I don't love anyone to death. I love people to life. So Mm. I've changed my entire vocabulary of idioms to reflect only life and life-giving reflections. That's one. I've had to look in the mirror and say to myself, I look great no matter what little mark or wrinkle comes onto my skin. I've had to not dress my age. I don't dress my age um, and I don't act my age. I act well, I might in that sense that I don't care what anybody thinks anymore, but I don't um you know I don't do things based on a number. My partner is twenty one years younger than me my my primary partner i um i I just don't let people you know, put me in an age box, mm-hmm. so on, you know, like it's a, like it's step by step by step by step. I'm, I work out or do movement every single day of my life. Um, I eat a, a pr- primarily a Mediterranean diet, although I'm not going to take a stand on diets on this show. Um, my cabinet or cupboard is filled with supplements and then there are prescription drugs that i take that i i don't let the doctor tell me what i'm taking i tell the doctor what i'm taking mhm yeah so things like that um yeah yeah no that
0: that feels like a really powerful way, um place to take control i also feel like we're pushing against some pretty strong um uh, societal bullshit. Uh, <laughs> about, you know, there's there's like this recurring joke that springs to mind. It's not funny. I'll call it a joke in the with the biggest uh, air quotes I can find. Um, that is like, oh, that's almost like watching your parents have sex. And you know, I, I think in that there's two things, right? One thing is your literal parents. Maybe there's some queasiness about um, watching that. But I think really it's about people find like older people, icky, almost in the common vernacular. And I think that's completely, that's right. It's completely ridiculous. And especially in, in a context of something like high or, or maybe uh, even ISTA, you know, you, you see people of all shapes and sizes and ages naked on a, on a relatively regular basis.
1: Yes. And I'm happy to. Yes,
0: me too. And I find there's just this there's this thing, like, if, you have, if you've been told by the rest of the world that your body isn't the shape it should be, which, of course, like every single piece of advertising you find out there is kind of uh, nudging those norms along, you have to kind of fight a, a pretty
1: heavy battle there to be okay with your own body. You do have to. And for one, you have to your body's up to you, so you have to keep it in good shape or else, you're probably not going to want to stay here. If you if you can't walk, you can't see, you can't whatever. Then chances are you might not feel the way I do. But if you keep it in good shape, it's you know it's clearly my body's not my 20 year old body, but it's still my body's a good body. And um, yeah. The other thing is, I just want to say this to counter that expression. I love that you brought that up because let me tell you something. If they are your parents, you better hope they are having sex. And I'm going to tell you why. Because they need and you need oxytocin, serotonin, endorphins, and dopamine. Now, you can get most of that by running. You can't get the oxytocin as a runner. So you need to have those three chemicals plus oxytocin you need your peptides to reverse from the suffering into the pleasure and so that you have the neural patterns that will keep your brain elastic and you need to you need to have sex for that whether you have a partner or not you must move that energy and get those four things going in your body for your brain for your oxygenation for your cells and to feel happy.
0: Absolutely.
1: Sex and happiness, the reason I wrote the book Sex and Happiness is because sex and happiness are super connected. Yep. So that expression should actually be, if we really want to like go there, gee, I can just picture my parents having sex. I hope they are. Yeah, totally and it takes a
0: particularly callous person to wish no sex on somebody else <laughs> I've got to say
1: it certainly does that's so that's not nice <laughs> that's really bad
0: yeah uh, so um where where do we start the journey like where do we um wh- what is your invitation to people who are uh, thinking about their continued sexuality and their aging?
1: Well, I have a number of suggestions. Um, one, it's if you heard this, I, these ideas and this is a new idea and concept for you, then um, let it in. <laughs> That's number one when it was new for me, it was a little bit weird, but I, you know, I remember the moment I was in New York city and a friend of mine said, you know, some people are speaking about immortality. And I was just like, this is crazy, but I did let it in. I was open enough to let it in. I'm so glad that I did. So one is to just let the idea in Two is to know that you need to have sex so Mm -hmm. not to sit around moping if you don't have a partner or anybody to have sex with have sex with yourself like become your own best lover yeah three start noticing your body and what it needs to and how it needs to move because movement is life and four you know, I would say, get in touch with me. You know, they could, you could, people could start by, by getting my book, sex and happiness. It's easy to get on Amazon or on my website, but you could start with that, like sex and happiness, go hand in hand. When someone tells me they're happy, but they're not having any sex. Like, I don't believe them. <laughs> You're like, nah, <laughs> exactly. Like, no. Um, if that's the case, I, I, I you know, they're on, they're dying. You know, something has really died. That's the most to me, precious part of being human, which is the creative life force. Mm. Um, And then I'm going to, you know, as I say to you, I'm, I'm, I'm almost finished with the next book, sex and happiness over 60. It only gets better. And I plan to do in May, I'll be launching a uh, May, 2021, I'll be launching a new course, a journey which will be called Sex and Happiness over Sixty. It only gets better and i'll mm-hmm. i'll that'll be for regular people, people like you and me who know something about this sacred sexuality journey, and people who don't yep. you know what we call you know more vanilla people or people who just they and they're out there they just don't even know. So how how do you reach people
0: who um, have maybe made it to sixty and who haven't, you know, have, haven't found um, the connection between um, sexuality and happiness? I feel like uh, the the um, controversial question would be: Is it too late? I have a sense that I know what the answer is going to be,
1: but <laughs> you know what the answer is going to be. It's never too late. Um, yeah, it's not too late. It's really. You know, it happens all the time when I'm in doing ISTAs. Usually in ISTA, in the ISTA field, there's mostly 20 and 30-somethings. And then there's a few 50, 60, 70-somethings. And I have to have straight talk with everybody where I say, you know, don't not look at these people because they're older than you. You're all going to be here. The point is, what are you going to do between now and then? Yeah. And... Yeah. Also, I found, this is at some Insta trainings, I found that women over 50 become invisible, like people just don't see them. You know, I have to speak to people and say, you know, this isn't going to happen here. I'm just letting you know, this is a welcoming piece for everyone. And if people are brave enough to be over 50 and come to a course with people (laughs) with 20 and 30 somethings, like, good
0: on them. We see that at high as well. You know, there's a there's a huge span of, in age, and um, it's uh, it's sometimes a little challenging, um, just because people are, as you say, just feel like they're completely invisible, um, yeah. and it's 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 scary. It's hard. It's uh, you know, it, and if you're not completely rock solid in your own body image and in your own self, that is a hard
1: thing to swallow. It is. It's difficult. So, I mean, it's there, and I say that the facilitators, I'm just going to say myself as a lead facilitator, to me it's my responsibility to call it out.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so I do call it out. Um, but if I were a participant in the course, I would call it out equally. I just feel like as long as people are Living and breathing and expanding, they need to be welcomed,
0: and I think that's a really beautiful uh way of you to display your boundaries, right? It's not the boundary necessarily about your body in that instance it's your bound it's your boundary for the container you're in with other people. You're saying, "Hey, I am not okay with the way this container is taking shape, and so you find the you find the words to speak up, and I think that's really powerful,
1: yeah, yeah, so that's really that's what i that's my prescription, <laughs> you know, don't yeah. leave it out. don't leave it out because if we just make believe that isn't the case and we let people fend for themselves, often there's exclusion. It's yeah. a similar exclusion to racism. It's a similar exclusion to ethnic ethnic centrism yeah. uh, in in western culture i i it may just be in the Americas more. I mean so it it needs to be it needs to be confronted and we're back to my laws full <laughs> contact confrontation like to me I would confront that I would confront it straight up i am glad you do
0: and i think that is inspiring me to kind of think more about where i um, rub up against my edges and where i should be speaking up more so i think that's a really beautiful invitation there we spoke to um To Frank from Ista um, in a a previous episode, Um, and I'd just like to spend a little bit more time. If you're open to like the work you do do with Ista, what is it? um, What does it mean to you? And you know what, like who who should uh, take a closer look?
1: That's fine, Um, and I'm so glad you interviewed Frank. Frank is like my twin from another mother and another age, so. Frank and I are very closely aligned, and uh, although politically not so much, but we are very closely aligned, like in 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 the spirit of who we are.
0: Yeah, yeah. We had a really wonderful conversation about him, uh, about marriage, um, and you know um, whether it plays a role in 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 society today and things. And it's it it sparked a number of really wonderful conversations.
1: That's great. I never married. I'll just tell you that. So I voted against it long ago. (laughs) Mm, Yeah. yeah, So what I do, my work in the world, you know, it's like I have my, I have my own body of work, um, which used to be called butterfly workshops. And now it's Laurie com. And I have lots of things that I do that I create. I now have a full apprentice program of my own. I'm teaching people to be sex and happiness coaches and um and i also teach with my partner michael gibson and we t- teach something called extraordinary lovers experience we teach people who are in relationship to really get on the same page and speak the same language we find that often partners don't even speak the same language they can't even hear each other yep so those, that's, my, that's like my own body of work. And then there's ISTA, which is International School of Temple Arts. I was invited to become an ISTA staff member and ISTA faculty years ago. It took me until 2014 to actually consider it and join. And it's interesting why I did. I did because I, when I was considering living a really long time, I realized I had to be more abundant. And someone asked me the question, what would it take for you to be more abundant in your life? And I said, I I just knew the answer immediately. I, I didn't even think about it. I just went, I'd have to stop working alone. Yeah. And right then, like within that less than a week, Babadez called me and said, I'm calling you again <laughs> to be an ISTA faculty member. And I went, okay, just like, like that. Great timing. Let's do this. <laughs> just like that. And it changed everything. It changed my game. So what we do is we, we have three levels of courses. We teach all around the world, um, 44 different countries, although the COVID has put quite a damper on it. I'm sure it has to high. Also, we haven't done many live trainings in 2020, and I'm not sure how 2020. A lot of I mine can't have, tell you
0: how badly I miss a good cuddle
1: pile. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like, oh my god, we, you know, missing people so much, missing mm-hmm. the physical, um, tribal, animal aspect of just being with other people. Yeah. In a live environment. So, anyway, what we teach is um, our first level course is about self and personality and traumas and wounding and boundaries and sovereignty and love and freedom. I mean, that's a lot in a in one sentence. It we take people on a journey for a week of who am I. What's going on for me? Where am I sexually? am I free? Can I love? Can I be loved? Can I allow love and can I love others and um and where how does that all play out? And so people learn you know the first few days they learn about boundaries and the wheel of consent and and um where where am I in all of this? When I'm not interacting with other people physically, I'm just in a closed field. And then when we open the field, we say, you know, now you've had a for sex conversation. You've learned boundaries. You have learned whether you're giving or taking, whether you can receive or allow, all these things. And then where are you at with it? And if you have any wounding, where is it showing up? And how is it impeding you from being fully you? Mm-hmm. Yep. So, so that's like to level one. And ISTA level two is, okay, now that I know who... And uh, people have to go through ISTA level one multiple times. Um, often to find out really, are they truly free and sovereign? Mm, yeah. Because the first time I go through something, I'm not... I grow so much that by the second time I go through it, I'm not the same person that I was the first time or the second time or the third time. Anyway, by the time somebody goes through it a couple times, then they're invited to level two and level two is now that I know who I am, how do we kill it? (laughs) How
0: do we kill it? (laughs) How do we turn it off and on again?
1: Yeah. How do we kill the personality enough to find out what's the purpose. Mm. So like, really, what's my life's purpose? Why did I come here? Why did I come to earth? Those of you who believe in reincarnation, why did you incarnate? And, you know, what are you willing to live and die for that like you would take a stand for that is, so I'm using landmark language now. What would you take a stand for that was so powerful that you would give your life to it? And you might give your life in the defense of it. So that's like what level two is about, like finding your purpose and making your purpose bigger than your personality. I don't know if other ISTA leads would say it quite that way, but because I'm a land martian, I, it's really comes to me like second nature.
0: Yeah. And I think it's a really interesting um, angle into this as well to hear it happen. Like how it resonates with you, especially against the backdrop of the other things we've learned about you. I think that's actually a right, a really <laughs> a really interesting uh, look into it. Right. Yeah, just I just had some uh, something that just sprung into my mind around the longevity thing, and it's like, are you coming at this primarily from a
1: joy of life
0: or from a fear of death?
1: I'm coming at it from a joy of life. There's no question to me. Now I faced death very early on in my twenties. Um, I was in an abusive relationship where I felt the person was going to probably threaten my life and it actually was threatening my life. And I, it's so interesting how I dealt with it. I mean, it's, I digress for a moment. He was away visiting family or something one Christmas or New Year's or some, you know, some holiday time. And I I decided to drop acid by myself. And so I dropped acid and I looked in the mirror and (laughs) I had to ask myself these questions. Mm -hmm. I said to myself, would you rather be in this relationship or be in jail? And I answered, honestly, I said, jail. I chose jail. And then I said, wow, you chose jail. If you chose jail, would you choose death? you know, this is all the kind of stuff people contemplate Mm -hmm. on, on LSD. So I chose death and all of a sudden I, you know, my body, all the tension in my body went away. Yeah. Everything relaxed. You don't have to die. You can walk away. Exactly. It becomes really powerful. Everything relaxed in my body. And so then when this person came home from the trip he had been on and then back to my trip, I opened it, you know, on the East Coast of the US, I don't know about other places, but on the East Coast of the US, we have these door locks where you could open it up to a chain. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I opened it up to the chain length, looking out through the chain, and I said, I'm just telling you this before you walk in this house. I'm done with you. I'm not afraid of you anymore. I would choose to be dead over spend another minute with you. Wow. I said, so I'm free. You can come in here and do whatever you want. You can knock my teeth down my throat. You could kill me. It doesn't really matter because I choose death. And this person got so humble. He got on his hands and knees. And he said to me, I am so sorry that I caused this. Will you reconsider? And I said, absolutely not. You will come in here. You will pack everything, and you will be out by midnight. Die so powerful. Yeah. So that was. I mean, to me, I like chose. So now, rolling forward, <laughs> you
0: know. Yeah, and at that point, if you kind of say, "Okay, you you chose death," now the rest is just
1: bonus, right? Enjoy it. Exactly. He left. Wonderful. He left and I lived and I lived. I mean, I lived, I lived fully. I've had one of the happiest, fullest, most exciting lives. And I don't plan to go anywhere. Not anytime soon. So oh, Lord, I'm that is so wonderful. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> and you know what? It's fun. two things came out of that. One is um, I really, 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 really chose to live mm. then. And two is. I became like a really badass, and you know, people meet me and they go, "Oh my God, Laurie Handler, she is just no nonsense." I mean, people who come to my classes, they come because I'm like no nonsense, no woo-woo. Yeah. I'm just like, this is the straight skivvy. This is about you and sex, and you and freedom, and you and love. This is not. I'm not making it all ethereal and mystical. You can go to a mystery school for that, another mystery school, or you can go to other people in my same mystery school for more woo-woo than me. I am not woo. And people, when they meet me, they go, she is so badass. She just says whatever's on her mind. Well, what, what day do you think that happened to me? <laughs> yep. It happened then. So that person gave me one of the biggest gifts or two of the biggest gifts in my life. The the facing death and choosing to live and the no fear of saying it, whatever it is, like being a badass, that's what I got from that. That's the gift. That is absolutely baller, as the kids
0: say these days. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think this is a wonderful place to wrap. Um, where can people find out more about you on the interwebs?
1: LaurieHandlers.com. They can find everything Laurie Handler's. I also have a podcast, Sex and Happiness. I've been broadcasting for 12 years. They can find my book, Sex and Happiness, The Tantric Laws of Intimacy on Amazon. They can, if you were in they can find me at Ista, um, or if they're if you're in a relationship or ships, um, and you're really intrigued with being an extraordinary lover, you can go to online dot
0: that's a pretty solid sell there.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean,
0: who doesn't want to be an extraordinary lover?
1: <laughs> really? And
0: I, mean, I choose mediocrity. Thank you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I mean, everything from communication to touch to manifesting, like to some sex magic, all of it is encompassed in the course. Um, because we think that fighting is ordinary. Arguing is ordinary. Mm-hmm. Like the, like blaming is ordinary, like all of those things are ordinary and it doesn't take that much to be extraordinary. You just have to kind of like turn the light on. (laughs) So,
0: so thank you. It was so wonderful to spend uh, an hour or so with you, Laurie. This has been a really uh, wonderful and (laughs) life-giving conversation. Um, Thank you so much.
1: Oh, Hiya! what a pleasure, my pleasure, you know. Let me end with pleasure is your birthright. Pleasure is my birthright. It's all of our birthrights. So I'm glad this was pleasurable. Hell yes.
0: <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to the Human Awareness Podcast. For more information about the Human Awareness Institute or our workshops, please visit our website at hi.org. That is org. As always, it was a pleasure to have you with us. See you soon. <laughs>